Welcome to the Key of Life podcast, a show where we explore the limitless creative potential that exists within our human life, from birth to death, ancestry, and everything in between. Every human holds a key that opens a door of possibility to create, sustain, and transform within ourselves and with others. When we share our keys, we create deeper access to the keys within ourselves and open the doors of remembrance within others. I'm your gatekeeper and guide, Nanadua L. Hogg. Let's open the door together. Hello and welcome to the Key of Life podcast. Today we have Alicia, who is an amazing movement woman. She's a mother of four. She teaches and practices various forms of yoga, including kundalini yoga, and is just like an all-around amazing human being. (laughs) So welcome, Alicia. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) My pleasure. My pleasure. You are. You're amazing. And um, that's like the main reason why I wanted to have you on here, because you're doing a lot of amazing things in the world. And a lot of really powerful things in the world with your movement practice stuff and just like showing up as you and yeah I just really want you to have (laughs) this time to share a little bit about you and um yeah let the people know who you are outside of my many many (laughs) compliments Thank you for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. And for holding the space and having a podcast. I think that's amazing. And um, I love our deep dive conversations that we've had in the past mm-hmm. in various contexts. Um, and I'm excited to be here just talking about whatever comes up um, as pertains to birth and women and um, empowerment mm-hmm. um, I yeah I guess I'll, I'll introduce myself it's like how you introduce yourself <laughs> I remember an elder of mine he's like I'll just I'll introduce myself how my parents named me let's start there mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so my name is Alicia Conover Arthurs I'm the daughter of Lisa Conover and Patrick Arthurs. I'm one of seven, four from my mom, seven from my dad. Wow. I was born and raised in Toronto, Canada, in the East End. My mom and dad got the house when they were pregnant with me, their second child. So I grew up in East End Toronto my entire life. Um, I'm born to Jamaican-Canadian parentage. I'm a mixed baby. Um, I grew up in the consciousness of Rastafari and a lot of roots, music, and arts, and crafts, and creativity. So I'm grateful for that. And um, at this stage, I am a practicing yogini. So I've dedicated a lot of my time to different movement modalities, um, starting off in dance when I was a kid, and then 
dance and breath and spirit became more and more interesting to me. So I dove into things like Feldenkrais and uh, Qigong and yoga techniques. Um, and I have a BA in dance from York University. Um, and I also am certified in Hatha Yoga, a couple different forms, and I'm certified in Kundalini Yoga, as well as pre- and postnatal yoga, um, and Radiant Lotus Women's Qigong. Um, and also, I'm a full-spectrum doula. Doula is a changing word for me, but basically like a sister in birth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I am a mother of four. Yeah. Yeah. Woohoo. Yeah. As you can hear, Alicia is a woman of many, many, <laughs> many talents, <laughs> many gifts that she loves to share with the world. And I really want to get into how you sort of like found yourself in your creativity through movement. Do you have like a specific moment in your life where you were just like experiencing yourself move and you're like, this is what I, this is what I love to do and whatever, or like, I'd really love to hear that story of what initiated you into sort of what you're doing right now. Wow. Wow. I mean, that, I feel like that's like a triple fold question. Yeah. Yeah, like there's different moments that are jumping out from my subconscious right now. So I'm going to go with that. <laughs> um, but the first one is I'm remembering my kitchen. Um, and I remember there was always a sea of music, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a soundscape at home and even at my grandparents' house. Um and I love to dance. So it was, it was like being spoiled with good music mm -hmm. constantly. Yeah. And then being the little creature that just like moves about in the sound, mm -hmm. you know? And then because the family was supportive of our creative tendencies, mm -hmm. and then I really got interested in, in like training and dance more formally. They were like, cool, she likes to dance. Let's get her to dance class. You know I mean? yes. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's the, that's the core memory, mm -hmm. I guess. <laughs> Amazing, yeah. <laughs> and it also seems like you, well, everyone perfectly chooses their parents, but it really seems like you perfectly chose your parents to be able to experience that for yourself. Like, I know a little bit about um, your story with your father and how he's like a really, he has a really extensive library of just like reggae and like all different types of beautiful sounds. And I'm just like picturing little Alicia just like dancing to the records <laughs> and like grooving out. Yeah, <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah, I was always grooving out. Yeah, there was always like, there's all these cute pictures of um with headphones on and microphone like it's just intertwined and creativity was really I think like Rastafari is a really creative movement too so I I don't know I'm speaking from that place today I definitely I'm speaking from that place because that's 
what motivated the movement from an early age but then I'd say I have another memory about like when I knew I I wanted to be in my body Um, and another kind of key thing was being a teenager and being a young woman and experiencing the power of my body through dance through yoga Mm -hmm through movement. I started to take up yoga when I was about 16. And it was like a balancing practice to the modern dance, the African dance, the ballet, hip hop, these are the things that I was doing. And then the yoga was like the centering space where the breath initiated the movement versus just moving because, you know, and so I really was really quite interested in that internal movement space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember um, also being like empowered in my body despite the male gaze. Mm-hmm. And that was another defining moment where I'm like, oh, I own my body. I'm not moving for anybody. Mm-hmm. I'm moving for me, you know? And so that kept me kind of safe in a way. Yeah, um, two things are really jumping out at me in my mind as you're speaking is firstly, like the internal movement aspect that you're talking about with the breath. And it's Mm -hmm. so true, like, even like, movement with dance too. the way you're moving your body, it's like you're massaging, like your internal organs. And like with the breath, it really is like the internal movement, like your lungs expanding and contracting like your blood vessels pushing blood out and like bringing blood back in and stuff like that. And just like that entire connection to like your whole body that happens through movement is just so profound. And I was really tapping into that as you were speaking about Mm -hmm. how yoga sort of connected you with the internal movement. um, Whereas dance was like sort of getting you tapped in with like, the ec- like the more seemingly external movement um, mm. because like it kind of is still internal like <clears throat> your muscles mm-hmm. are still like contracting and expanding for you to move your arms and your legs and whatever but it's like mm-hmm. this like internal external like feminine masculine sort of balancing mm. act that happens with with dance and with like any form of music movement that I find so incredibly beautiful and amazing and then another part that really stuck out to me as you were speaking was about the I own my body like I'm I'm not dancing for anyone else and I recently had the pleasure of experiencing um, your guided movement during Reclaim Your Voice last weekend and that was like incredibly profound and amazing especially because we share that like similar Caribbean ancestry like my dad's from Jamaica as well and um there's like this this culture of like like a culture that's so tapped into their sexual energy but then simultaneously like projects this like shame around it too where it's like it's this like oh like you can embrace it whatever and if you embrace it too much while you're dancing in a certain way that's shameful like it can come out Mm -hmm. that way sometimes and that's a little bit of what came up for me too as we were dancing 
in that class and just and you even said it <laughs> on that night too is the like mm-hmm. no like you you own your body and whatever that shame that's being projected at you is like it, it isn't your shame it's it's whatever is inside of that person that they're contending with that they're projecting onto you like but yeah. but ultimately you own your body and I think that's so powerful and I want to like sort of segue this into owning your body and how dance and how movement can really set you up in the birth space to be like like really tapped into your body and what's happening there and I, I don't know I don't think that I even mentioned it in your intro that I did for you but Alicia is like <laughs> she she says an OG free birth mama which she is she's <laughs> she's a free birth mama <laughs> and just listening to your stories of your birth and even just like your experiences like mothering your children it, it's just like I don't know it's I guess like because of who you are and like the how clicked into the movement world you are it like automatically puts you in that space of like hmm yes like in my body like I I can feel like this way and like, like, <laughs> but, but yeah so tell me a bit about like your first birth and how mm. how movement set you up for for that experience and all of that and like you can tap into the other birds too but yeah oh my gosh no that is an epic birth story and I'm I'm so grateful that you asked me to share it because it's like it's really special you know um but the context so contextually I was 22 pregnant in love, um, in dance. Mm-hmm. I was dancing. I was in my fourth year of university, like in choreography class and like rehearsals and stuff all the time. Um, and then I also did um, the Sananda Devi yoga teacher training that like came around in the summer um, of that same year, right? And so I was really in my body every day and pregnant Um, and it was a wonderful experience because I got to experience my changing body in its strength Mm. uh, in its power its flexibility its creativity Um, and the yoga initiation was amazing because once again it it incorporates the deepest teachings about movement sound breath balance like unity enlightenment and so all of that information informed my practice as well Um, and I found that after I had graduated the yoga teacher training um, two weeks later I went into labor right wow it was the right time yeah and there was a lot of dancing that summer too, like lots of festivals and drumming and dancing um, due to the nature of my relationship and my connection to culture at the time. So it was amazing because when I went into labor, I had been at a river walk. We organized these river walks in the black community and we'd walk, we were walking the seven rivers that surround the Toronto area. 
um, and like singing and we'd bring drums and we'd chant and we'd hold hands and pray and like you know go down in the river and mm. so that happened that day wow they, they did like a human chain from the top of the hill down the gully wow the oh my god I stood in, and then I was the receptacle like it just happened to be that way that I stood in the river and then they passed a crystal down the line of this human chain of like moms and babies and men and like awesome people all the way down into my hand and they're like that's for you mama because you're pregnant right and it was so oh my gosh I could cry I know it was so beautiful it was so beautiful and so I had that blessing of the elements too I have to say that for anybody pregnant planning to birth like the elements and creation is so important so informative anyway supportive um but yeah, so that was the day. And then just there's like a lot to that story. Actually, I, I don't know how I'm just I'm like conscious of what a story this is. Um, and I, I'm conscious of time. But there was also this cool thing where there was this conch shell. Okay, then there was this conch shell. Yeah. Because everybody had their instruments. Mm-hmm. And there's all these like big man and ting, you know what I mean? Ah! Like, kind of blow the conch shell like a boss and like nobody could get the sound out of the conch and so I was like and I just knew I just knew that I could blow it like yeah oh my god so I reached for the shell and then it let out this big blast and like into the ethers and then everybody unanimously said the baby's coming oh my gosh wow oh my gosh I know (laughs) and so and then after the river walk we like made our way to pedestrian Sunday and danced in the streets until I was like you know what I gotta go home Mm -hmm. I'm tired um and then that 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 led to this birth um there's a lot to the story but yeah uh there was like love making Mm -hmm. okay yeah and then after the love making um I I think the water broke. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Like it was like wetter than usual. I was like, hmm. And then they're sleeping (laughs) and I'm just like, whoa, my like uterus just got really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, That's different. (laughs) And then half an hour later it happened again. Yeah. And I was like, oh. And so then I started to consult on my cool birth books on my shelf. Is this (laughs) contraction? (laughs) I had no idea Um, because I hadn't had that appointment with my midwives yet. Like we hadn't really talked through, I don't know. Um, And so I figured that that must be labor because it started to come a bit more consistently. And I just remember like hearing like, you need to eat Mm because you're going to need your energy later. Mm -hmm. So I went downstairs. I tipped out. I was in the same mother's house where I was pretty much born. Um, and my partner was there with me and my sister and my mom and my dad, you know, at the end and I went down and I ate something dry because I heard like something dry but nutritious. So it was just this weird memory mm-hmm. of like the driest cracker with almond butter. <laughs> <laughs> as, as the energizing treat or whatever. Uh, and then <laughs> and then I got to just experience it. I didn't want to wake anybody up. So I, I just started to rock with it, Mm -hmm. you know, because it comes like waves. Mm -hmm. And 
it feels like the water's rising like a wave, like up onto the shore, like this big like is coming. And then eventually it tapers off and it goes back out and you're given some relief. And then it comes again. And so while those waves are coming, I realized within myself, like, I've got to move with this Mm -hmm. or this is going to knock me over. So then I just started to rock with it or sway with it or like kind of like spiral. A lot of spirals were happening, undulations. Sorry, my sound. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, yeah, and that's what I did. And then I and then I woke up my partner and they immediately like lit smudge and started chanting and I'm like, all right, like that's how you're gonna deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We, we, we became like we just like basically went into a trance. Mm-hmm. You know? Wow. So mm-hmm. I like okay that's really freaking cool about the trance and it's really cool that you are both able to be in that birth portal together in that way and I find like there are not a lot of stories for births where it's like the man is also like equally well maybe not equally tapped in but you know like in the portal with the mother yeah (laughs) yeah yeah he was great at that he was great at Mm -hmm. um life death nature elements spirit like that's his zone you know what I mean so he just met me in the portal like straight up Mm. and was supportive in whatever way um mostly like energetically maybe with physical touch um but just yeah I I just remember it was good and and then I did wake up my mom when like the sun was starting to rise I remember going out into the backyard barefoot in the grass Mm. under the trees it was summertime caught the sunrise and like felt the dew on my feet and that was a really important moment in the labor Mm. really helpful and um, I let the midwives know that I was in my in the labor Um, and so there was this part where they were talking to me over the phone and because it was my first baby, you know, I think it's going to be like long. And they're like, well, why don't you try climbing into some water and see what happens? Because that's a good indicator of where the uterus is at. So you can climb in the water and see if your contractions slow down or pick up. And I was like, okay. So I ran a bath and went in there and essentially like initially they slowed down. So that was the last I saw. Okay, they're slowing down. Okay, bye. Boom. You know, and then right after I hung up, they started to pick up again. Then mm. that's when all I had was the sound. That's when the sound current truly introduced itself in this labor experience. Okay. And it was like sound was the lifeline. And so I found myself chanting because I'd been chanting so much in my practice that the chanting came through like from the depths of the earth, like a whale wow. sound, like wah, sound of creation. You know? Wow. I literally because I was turning my like, oh, like this hurts, right? Like, oh, and I'm like, oh, mm. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> we're transforming. We're transforming it into the earth. <laughs> but it was everything. Like it was everything, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, and it got intense. And then I, and then I remember like the trance. Like you know, they have that moment in transition where, now that I'm a birth worker, I can say that. Like I had no idea at the time, but. I think I was going into transition and that's when you're like, Oh my God, I can't do this. I'm going to break open. Like mm-hmm. my whole being is going to, I'm going to die. What's yeah. And so you feel like that. And then that's the moment when I felt like, okay, I thought I was going to poop in the bath. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and that was like this, like mind blowing, like, I can't do that. Like, I've lost all control. <laughs> no. Oh, wow! <laughs> like that was my breaking point. I, was like, I can't shit in the water. <laughs> and then I remember my partner was like, "That's not poop, honey. That's a head, right?" Mm-hmm. So I was crowning, and that's like right. And so that was like visually seen on the toilet. And then I was like, "I can't have the baby in the toilet. That's crazy." And so then we went from bathroom to bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think whatever like guttural cry I let out, my mom was alerted to the fact that the baby was coming too. So I just remember like my mom, my partner, and they like walked me to the wow, bedroom. Yeah. And then I remember wanting to squat this baby out. I just wanted to squat her out. It was such a good feeling. Yeah. Um, but then I realized that maybe the head, like birth logic is... it's a whole whole other zone you know it was like the baby's head will hit the floor I can't squat that low because like she'll meet the floor Mm -hmm. right so then that was another like mind point where Mm -hmm. mind had to kick in with some logic and then I remember hands and knees so tipping forward to hands and knees and the baby came out and then my partner caught her and her cord was a bit wrapped so he unwrapped the cord Mm -hmm. like some ancient midwife man (laughs) midwife man (laughs) love that (laughs) (laughs) and then passed me the baby and like we just we just did it that we just did it and we I just held her and I waited to deliver the placenta and her cord was intact for a super long time Mm -hmm. and and then the midwives came and the, the whole story is the midwives like there's this bridge down a pottery road you know like rosedale valley road yeah and they the train came so those the train track things wow. came down and stopped traffic on the highway <laughs> wow <laughs> and they were stuck in this unusual train situation I don't know so when they got there they apologized and were like so sorry I'm like no I'm not sorry I'm so grateful thank you because nobody checked my pulse mm-hmm. nobody told me stuff mm-hmm. you know none of that mm-hmm. I didn't have to talk to anybody no nope. and that was really really cool mm-hmm. you got yeah. to be in your body and you know as you mentioned before you, you own your body you got to own your body throughout that entire process it's so great (laughs) and it's so and I think it's so freaking important too this was the birth of her daughter Isla for for those of you who don't know Alicia personally which is probably a lot of you but I think it's so important that that was her 
initiation onto the planet to be birthed and like gestated in like that environment of like just being so connected and in her body and like the opportunity to to meet all of her family in that space too is just like so profound and amazing and wow (laughs) that entire story and the train the train (laughs) and the train and the mystics that surround all of these things and like and then the baby right I'm just Mm -hmm. talking about myself right now which is hilarious but that I like the mother I do still center my experience in the mother Mm -hmm. perspective and my perspective because that's really all I have yeah because when the baby comes, it is about the baby 110%. Um, but like, I'm just reevaluating losing yourself in the role. Yeah. Versus, but that's a whole other, that's just where I am now, like 16 mm-hmm. years later, yeah. mothering and stuff, but whatever. Um, but my, my daughter, when she was born, she was also this, she, okay, so me and the dad have brown eyes for mm-hmm. context, okay? And she came out with these crystal blue eyes, light, 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 light blue. Mm-hmm. And they didn't change. We all thought, oh, it's going to change. It's that weird, like, newborn yeah. shield. Um, no. And she is the most calm, mm. chill baby. She breastfed for three years, two and a half, three years. She breastfed through my second pregnancy. She tandem fed with her newborn brother, mm. right? Like she's so cute. And and um, and she ha- she's this baby where I used to just tie her on in fabric, like in the mm-hmm. sling. And she just was on me. She was my, my, my baby, you mm-hmm. know? And so she'd be at eye level with adults. Mm. and be in the market and be in life and she was an observer mm-hmm. you know and she had these intensely beautiful eyes and she just watch from the depth of her being mm-hmm. and the people felt seen and so there was all these stories and I remember there was three distinct times when I was there just chatting with the baker or the barber or the you know corner store guy and then the baby's watching them mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and then they start to cry oh my gosh and this is wow like three perfect strangers to start to bawl and tear up and like confess wow like, you know I really do smoke too many cigarettes like I'm really working Whoa. on it and yes yeah. <laughs> <Whoa. laughs> yeah, profound impact impact on people mm-hmm. and there was always tears involved well three distinct times that I remember so anyways yeah that's part of the story too wow and I love that you mentioned like carrying your baby and your baby being at eye level with adults and mm-hmm. now in modern quote-unquote society with like this whole hierarchical child adults like older person dichotomy that happens and it's just a reminder that no like we have always even children we have all always been at eye level with each other like 
at level Mm -hmm. with one another. Like there is no higher or lower or whatever. Like we all came here to Mm -hmm. carry out whatever medicine we hold within us. And it doesn't matter the age, everyone can get get something from other people no matter their age like there's always a learning and a sharing throughout all of the generations and that's always how it's been and Mm -hmm. you saying that like at eye level I was like yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and and had she not been at eye level those adults would not have gotten what they got from the experience of just even looking in her eyes you know Mm -hmm. And that's so taken away from from children and from adults and older people now in society. And I'm so glad that you're part of <laughs> the group of individuals really reclaiming that and embodying that and like being that as as well mm-hmm. as your kids. So I'm really I'm really happy about that and just like reflecting back to your birth and your your moment where you're like oh like your cracking open moment you mentioned and Mm -hmm. the way that I think of like the transition point was like the I can't do this whatever it's like you're really facing like death not not really like physical death but like death of like the maiden you know death of the the mother you used to be and like the mother you're being now and Mm -hmm. It's so interesting to hear what comes up for <laughs> for, each, for each woman when they when they talk about this. And for you, like I heard you mention, like, yeah, like I don't have control. And that's really what it is. You're not in control of, of this. <laughs> you know, like this is your body doing what it, it needs to do. And like you're not in control of even, I'm thinking of it, you're not in control of your, your child. Like your child has their own destiny on this planet. And you don't control that. And it's like this contending with like all these mechanisms of like how how we can we try to control things in our lives and just really letting that go really stuck with me as you were describing that moment for yourself. And um, it's also making me think of during a kundalini yoga practice with you. And um, I forget exactly what practice we were doing, but we were getting into the discussion of moving thing through things that are really hard, moving through things that are perceptually in your, your mind is making it hard, but like, is it really hard what you're going through in your body? And I remember you sharing a story about having to bike up this steep mountain <laughs> with your children. And I told I that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and um, it's making me reflect on that. And I'm wondering if you could like share that story briefly and get into that because I think it really ties into all of this movement stuff because a lot of women especially, it's like it might not even be the physical hardness of the movement, but it's like all of the emotions attached to the way they're moving or like the things that go on in their mind with the like how they feel they need to move in that moment. And like those mm. things are what what is a hindrance to them actually just moving, you know? So in the birth experience mm-hmm. or in all things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Both. Yeah. yeah. It's a big deal. No, but but it that's it, you know? And it's like that that loss of just back to that point on the loss of control. 
and how I think that there's so many mechanisms like internally that we have to try and self-regulate um, and that even society pr promises us this idea of control, you know, um, and safety and security. It's like a big push and a big sell. Um, but really when you're faced with birth, it's you are faced with mother nature at her finest, most raw point. You know, it's like you're faced with birthing another soul onto the planet. It's like the portal of life and death. And, 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 and if you don't surrender to that force, you're toast, you know, yep. like you have to let it pass through you. Mm -hmm. And if you're gripping and trying to contain and hold on to some level of, of control or like the fear is greater than the surrender, then there's complications, you know, um, but I wanted to share about that story, biking uphill. Mm -hmm. So I went on a journey when I had three kids, um, under five or six, essentially. My youngest, the third, he was born in September. And then we set out on this trip in about May of the same, uh, of the round, like, in the spring of that season, right? So he was like eight, nine months. Um, and I had this idea to go, we were going to Sundance, okay? So we were on our way to Sundance ceremony, which was in the summertime. And we had been subletting a place in the country. And then we were woofing on a farm with the three kids woofing is where you exchange time on the land in exchange for room and board and food so me and my partner and the kids were there for uh you know like over a month in a local ontario farm um and then our time was coming to a close there due to unforeseen circumstances and so we needed to think fast about the next move and i had this like crazy dream and then it just was pushing me that we should ride our bikes to Sundance. <laughs> That's what we should do. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, my partner was like, okay. Like he was, he's like that too. He was like that too. Kind of spontaneous and adventurous. And we didn't have a lot of ties. We were still free spirits. So we were able to make decisions like that at the time. And we made um, like a bike wagon, like we rigged up a wagon on the back of his bike that carried our food, um, our pots, because we would make a fire every night wherever we go to cook dinner, um, our tents for camping, and like drums and tools and stuff like that that you might need in the, in the bush life. And then my wagon had the kids. Yeah. So... <laughs> To, to get their clothes and things and then I had the baby tied to me because he didn't like the baby seat yeah like the toddlers liked the wagon yeah. the little kids like the wagon they sat side by side and, like they each had their water bottle and like a little coloring book yeah and stuff. And we just, like, ride on the high like ride for miles right and then the baby didn't like it so I would tie him on and anyways we got to an area around 
um, like Blue Mountain area where the ski hills are and the escarpment and the Bruce Trail is coming up and the land is rising. And so we're in this really hilly area where the hills are steep. And um, I, I just remember we met this hill and we had to get up and over it. It was a dirt road, a country road. And my bike was lighter than the wagon, the load of the kids. And I'm like pushing the bike with all of my might, putting all of my weight onto the bicycle so it doesn't fly back. And the whole trailer goes rolling back down the hill, right? And it's like, why I think of that story during practice, say, is that you're met with these really, really challenging moments where you're just like, I just want to put my arms down. I'm tired. This is too hard. But you can't give up. So in that scenario, there was no giving up. It's like when the mom picks up the bus and gets it off of her baby who's underneath it. It was literally that force, you know, that was that was dry. It was survival too, yeah. to be honest. It's survival. And you can't die and you can't let the babies die. No one's going to go rolling down that mountain. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm not sure if that's what's of that, like the pieces of that story that are standing out is just like, yeah, getting to the top of that hill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Minute room. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that's what I remember. And um, yeah, it, it was that moment, like the practice was we were like holding our hands up and whatever. And I remember like I was the, I was like putting my hands like a little bit down and I was like, okay, put them back up, put them back up, put them back up. <laughs> <laughs> practice. And then like after you shared and you tied it into the birth space too, is like the thought that was moving through my brain as you were sharing that story was like, dang, like how am I going to like birth a baby if I'm not willing to surrender myself to feeling into the hardness of what's happening you know mm -hmm. and like not giving up you know mm -hmm. that's what was coming up for me and it was really inspiring to where I was like okay like I'm going to take on acting on things that I feel are hard and just mm -hmm. going for it and I feel like when I got into that practice like it becomes it becomes easier <laughs> when you when you start yes. when you start to do that and you carry out doing it and i love even when you mentioned like it was a little bit of survival too because like that's what the birth space puts you into like you're literally in that force of nature energy you're in the like the roots of the earth you're in that animal yeah the state right and that's a state of survival and allowing yourself to surrender to the most simultaneously the most the the highest quote unquote and like the deepest yeah. part of you that's what it is and survival is part of it and just letting go of the fear of feeling into that and just yeah letting go of control over that and just being with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh. So good. And and that's I really that's why also I return to the elements mm -hmm. and and mother nature 
oh my god it's it's everything is there you know it's like every clue every key that mm-hmm. that you might need during birth is in nature you know and so it's hard for the urbanite um, <laughs> yeah. it's very difficult it's just very difficult to transcend um and to dig deep when there's so many distractions in the birth space mm-hmm. you know um so i i when i'm with clients um i really have to suss out like how deep is this woman willing to go with herself and then we work from there you know yeah and that's a really good yeah. question like how deep are you willing to go like are you willing to go all the way down there and i think a lot of people have a lot of fear and a lot of worry and aren't willing to go down there because you know it's like the again the life and death where everyone loves the life aspect but like what about <laughs> what's underneath the earth you know <laughs> what, what about what exists that we are not seeing right now with our like conscious eyes you know and that's all the stuff that's buried beneath the mud and when you're like like I'm imagining as like I'm like a buried alive and I'm like ch- punching through the soil like it's yes! it's hard to punch through the weight of all of that earth <laughs> yes <laughs> like, so maybe that's like the baby's experience oh go. my gosh I never even thought of that <laughs> oh my god dude you just <laughs> that like like there's a great effort mm-hmm to dig through to make it topside mm-hmm. yeah. and not die yeah like not be swallowed back into the sea of souls awaiting a life here mm-hmm. Whoa. It's, it's a great effort Whoa. on everyone's part mm-hmm. <sighs> <sighs> Whoa. and then it's through the yoni right, right? It's through, like, and then there's that whole crazy piece <laughs> that it's like it's a sacred sexuality at its finest you know and that th- this like idea or rumor that birth could be blissful and orgasmic it's real it is it really is but that comes with great surrender that I think like nine out of ten people myself included I am not willing to go there I don't even know how to go there you know half the time yeah but birth inspires it and the more you can not contract the contractions are happening to you the more you contract against or resist the less feeling you're willing to feel Mm -hmm. yes right it's like a shutting you're shutting down if you're shutting down it's it's too how much sensation can i actually handle right now You know, and it's like mind blowing, literally. Wow. So you have to let your mind be blown. <laughs> oh, literally. <laughs> blown away. Yeah. Blown out. Blown away. Shut up. <laughs> like, not you. Not helping. <laughs> wow. Wow. And that's so also profound and so true about the sacred sexuality piece and the how much sensation am I willing to receive? And accept in experiencing, you know? What? Yeah. We're not, we're not like cut out for that. 
the fine line between and pleasure and like the fine line between like for lack of a better term like overwhelmed by sensation <laughs> and it's like like you said it's happening through the yoni where the most sensation in your body is experienced as a woman <laughs> and like all of that is happening it really is it's like whoa just being in that wow (laughs) like and even talking about it it's like that's a lot you know but that's what happens that's how it happens yes like it's like this crazy pressure to you know um and then there's this idea too that not an idea but what I find and it's like funny like a baby was born last week um and, um, on Monday, like last Monday, a week ago, and the mama, I was the midwife who was on my way and the baby came quickly, but I was so happy for her. I was just so happy for them because she didn't even know if she was in labor or not. She was managing this big feeling so intuitively, you know, and she was leaning into her body and trusting into her body and her instincts and we'd been talking about her dreams and talking about her fluids and like all of these kind of visceral things that come up in the pregnancy towards the end and she was so tuned into all of that um and yeah so she just tuned into the feeling of these these waves or these these contractions and she was like oh this is okay and then next thing you know it was time she was ready to push and so anyways um she reflected to me afterwards because I I actually wasn't in the room with them it was just her and her partner and she had the chance to be kind of private and vulnerable because I do mention that to my clients too you know, like you really might want some privacy and some quiet time. And because like, who likes to be watched while they're taking a shit, you know? Exactly. That's weird. Exactly. Who wants to be witnessed while they're making love? Mm -hmm. Like maybe, I don't know, but (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. But it's a private space. And so they had that. And then the baby was born vaginally um naturally in a hospital which is great and fine and um but she said that the thing that stood out to her from our sessions before was grounding her energy in a squat Mm. and like squatting down to the earth and that you need that like you you actually physically need that because you feel like your body is going to explode. Like there is so much outside of your control that there has to be like this level of containment. Um, And that's why like hip squeezes and sacral pressure and these things that help you contain this huge feeling are really, really helpful, you know? And that, that really, really, that really helped her. And she kind of like messaged me about that after. So, yeah. Yeah another story Mm -hmm. and it's like so it's so interesting to like we're speaking about these big feelings and then like containing like our body contains all of these these big feelings throughout of it and just like being in that just feels like wow the human body is 
freaking insane. Like, what yeah. is possible or what can be possible within our human bodies is literally life changing. And yeah. and yeah, it's such a a privilege and a blessing to to be human in this life and experience that. And as a woman, and get to experience all of that yeah and as you're speaking it's reminding me of this urge to leave the body Mm, mm -hmm. that really comes up and I'm sure you see it with your clients you know it's like there it's so intense that the turtles that the the toes start to curl away from the floor and the voice starts to raise up really high and a panic can set in where you just want to get out of your body because there's so much going on in it you know and so it's like the work of the birth sister is to bring her back down into her body with eye contact with breath with touch with that grounding energy because we're bringing something to the ground you know like gravity is is also the point and you can't leave the body no. like spiritually a lot of you know third like third eye crown vision happens in that transcendental birth plane like you do get a big scope big vision but it's about grounding all of that through your universe mm-hmm. it's hard yeah and it's like also th- that whole like what you just described is also reminding me of how that's literally what we all came here to do. Not necessarily birth, like, you know, men, <laughs> men are <laughs> they're your only person. But, like, <laughs> yeah. but this is what we all came here to do, like, ground in this huge, big scope of our soul selves, our, like, higher selves, whatever you want to call it, down into and onto the earth. And it's like, you're physically experiencing as a woman the like day-to-day of what we all are really here to be embodying and doing which is insane but like so freaking awesome and cool (laughs) it is it's it's all really really interesting stuff you know It really is. And this big scope and bringing it here on the planet, the eye contact and reminding them like, hey, we're here on the planet. We're here in the elements. Come back to here. Come back to the earth. You know, this is where it's happening right now. (laughs) Yeah, it's happening here. And um. If there's time, all of the birth stories, I learned a lot of things. I learned different aspects and elements, um, maybe about birth as a whole or as a conversation, as a topic, um, but also about myself. And, um, you know, like you said, the eye contact and being that reminder or that mirror for your sister while she's going through because the midwife or the doula or the I don't know all of the terminology for our role right but it's 
she's she's not the one giving birth yeah. at that moment but she's the one reminding you that you can do it and you're going to be okay and you're going to make it you're going to still be here <laughs> yeah yeah and i remember with my third born um which is a really awesome story, which I would love to share if we have time. You can totally share it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You can totally okay. share I mean, that. I mean, yeah. That one was amazing. And my second, they're all, all of them were incredible and amazing and great. Um, but the reason why I want to share Irie's birth is because it was so elemental and the elements taught me a lot during that one. And so basically at the time I was living beside a river in a campground on the earth. <laughs> um, yeah, we were living on the land essentially. And so already even just that as the foundation, it brings you into attunement and alignment with the earth's like pulse and that gives it's it's informative on all of these levels that like you don't have to even think about you know what I mean in terms of alignment um but what happened was I was in early labor I knew you know I still had time to run some errands like it was like that stage where I'm gonna get my affairs in order and um then the night so this is like early afternoon. I just felt one, two, a couple like warm up contractions. Like, okay, it's, it's, it's coming soon. And then we were also in community a lot. So like there's just like a, a network of community friends and people and things like that. And so some friends in the community um, came by our fire. We had our fire every night. We cooked on our fire. And they came by the fire and they brought some teas and mason jars to help me with the smooth labor because I told them that I was in, in labor. Um, and we sat around the fire and maybe sang a couple songs, I'm not sure. And the kids went, I put the kids to sleep in the tent. So I had two, I had Isla and Ayabo. I just turned six and two and a half turning three kind of thing. I sucked them to sleep and then I set up this birthing tent and that was my whole vision with Irie's birth because I could trust my body now. Now that I've had two natural, unattended, free births, I was like, with this one, I really want to have this baby outside, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I just like the whole pregnancy, I had this image of hanging because that's another nice feel in labor, like something to hold on to above you, right? And so like holding on to a strong branch above me and like pushing him out like that in the forest yeah. by the river. And that was the plan. Um, and then the birth tent was like another space to bring the baby, however he was born, because some of it is like not in your control at all. Um, <laughs> and, and I lay down all of our, I got extra blankets and extra like, you know, like laid down this really soft bed on the floor and the tent itself was red, which is, you know, like, iconic, right? Yes. The energy of red is so womb, like, so blood mm. and nice. Mm -hmm. And when the light from the sun shined in that tent, it had that pinky red, mm. like, womb glow. So it was perfect. Um, and then after I put the little ones to sleep, after the fire had been put, put out, 
this big rain started to fall. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this this big summer storm comes in and it's just like torrential downpour and really interesting like lightning orbs wow. in the sky. Like orbs, like really interesting sky wow and but i wasn't even looking up that much i was looking down at the water rising right so when i went outside um in the grass the water was rising up past my feet past my ankles to my shins and i was like walking around in this rising rainwater and the river was rising simultaneously as the water was coming down and i was in labor i was in yeah, you know, like second stage, at least labor. And so the water that time, I didn't have to do anything. Water did it. Wow. The water birthed me. The water birthed me. The rain birthed me. The river birthed me. Like I was just a vessel in a storm. Wow. Basically. And it was like, beautiful and easy and yeah I would yeah like I was water I was water and the water was powerful and the powerful water birthed me wow and birthed the baby and so but then the thing with my little red tent it got drenched you know what I mean I went and I touched the blanket and like the blankets are soggy and it and our fire is out and it's cold it's chilly now and it's going overnight into like you know like babies like to be born overnight a lot of the time and it's in that like crack of dawn kind of time. And so at the fire the night before, my friend Penny, who's an older woman who has three sons that she birthed at home, right? She's like, well, if anything changes, you're always welcome to have the baby at my house. You know, I'll leave the keys on the door yeah. or, you know, like in the mailbox. And I'm like, cool, you know? So then as we're like at the crack of dawn, like before sunrise, you know, I like, nudge my partner I'm like we should go to Penny's (laughs) the blankets are wet (laughs) so then we took a taxi across town because we were like just outside of Toronto and then we took a taxi to Penny's house and then during that time literally it was sunrise and for some magical reason the contractions subsided for this drive across town with the pink sky rising and I just really remember that sunrise and I remember that my little daughter, Isla, the firstborn yeah. that we told you about, she was my doula. She 100% hands down that whole experience. She was somewhere close by with like a hand on my belly oh my or goodness. a hand on my hip or some like otherworldly. <laughs> yes. She was so comfortable in her role. Mm-hmm. Like she just, she was a grandmother in that moment, you know, whereas we had more kids by then. So my partner was present but he was also tending to the fire we got to get the drive we no, no no ayabo needs to put his boots on you know like there was all these external things so he wasn't just focusing on his woman he was focusing on the details of the family right which is fine it's great um and then we make it across town and we make it to penny's house and these are like medicine people you know like ceremony people um and so we go and she's like welcome and you can smell coffee and breakfast and warmth and she's like, okay, this is the room where I birthed my sons. You're welcome to it. 
you know and she like we go upstairs to the room yeah you know and she's like you can do what you want with it you know what I mean and so like I rearranged and and so in that case now the storm had stopped the sun had risen the labor had already gone to like I'm probably nine centimeters by now I don't know I don't know right and then I just remember the teaching around opening all of your jars and untying all your ribbons you know, and loosening your hair and things like that. So there's a smooth passageway, no knots. Mm. And so I did that. I untied everything and I set up my altar. And by the time the last jar was open, my contractions came in. And I think he was born within less than an hour. But the difference was with that experience was that I thought, you know, one of the things I took from it was that I wanted to have him alone in the forest, hanging from a tree with no one around me. That's what I wanted, you know? And then what I got was a warm home filled with people singing and drumming and community Mm -hmm. and like men and women and children downstairs. And, um, and then it turns out, like, in the Mayan calendar, he's born on the day of community. Oh, that's so such special. A it's such a wild. And it was, like, the compass, like, where is this baby going to be dropped? And, like, universe like, <laughs> moved us over here to the right locale. Yeah. You know, it was, like, so interesting. Um, but then that back to the eye contact when you're in that space, I just remember I was ready to push. I had to push my friend. I didn't, I opted out of midwives that pregnancy. I was like, eh, yeah. I was like done. I didn't mm-hmm. go to any prenatals. I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. The only reason I did it in my ninth month was so I can get their birth certificates yeah. kind of smooth. Yeah. Right. That was for the paperwork. Um, but yeah. So then I had like a, like a, like a sister midwife friend on the way, kind of like unofficially and another um, friend of mine who, was in midwifery school and is a doula and is like a mother of four, a hardcore mom again. And I just remember when she showed up, the eye contact moment was like, she came right to my face and she had just had a shower probably and her hair smelled really good. And I was like, like my sense of the smell was good. And her eye contact was warm. And I remember she said, what do you need? And I was like, he stayed because I was like holding on to the husband, like, or, or something like that. Like, who's gonna catch the baby? So, like, who's gonna be in front here with me, and who's gonna go behind and catch the baby? And that was kind of like, what do you need in this moment? You know, and I don't remember what we decided, <laughs> but then the baby came out. All the kids were in the room. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! Yeah. And then, and then they saw their brother be born. And I remember Ayabo was like, he looks like a little slimy alien, ah! right? And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the kids got to cut the cord. <gasps> that's amazing right? too. Oh, that's so special. Mm-hmm. It was uh, incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was so great. And then people came to visit and I was more open to that energy. You know, whereas with Isla, I was like, 40 days, I don't want to see anybody. And it was really important that I did that. And, you know, but by the third, I was like, oh, thanks. Like, they passed me a bowl of soup. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the extra help was welcome. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so amazing. And the fact that he was born on the day of community, too, is just like epic. And so proud. (laughs) That is like, yeah, that's his day. And wow, that was also your day and like your family's day and like your community's day. And just this like willingness and ability to now receive that external community like um nourishment it's like in that way yeah and the men and I remember by that birth Mm -hmm. it was like this like really warm and natural distinction and like the men were drumming and chanting and praying and like holding down the fire once again you know and like my my partner called his brethren or his bros or whatever, the ones who are close to our family, who are used to that type of like spiritual energy to be close, you know? So they came because Irie was being born. Know what I mean? And then like, just like seeing what the men did, like what they took care of, up, 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 up. And then what the women took care of, that, 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 you know? And like, like how the little kids would come up and like, oh, that's the baby, you know? Like the, like the little kids like gravitate to the new baby and then the, the, the mamas or the, the sister friends are like, they're checking on me. And so that was a real experience. Yeah, that was that was quite a kind of almost like a, a natural in ancient, maybe integration postpartum. It was a really beautiful experience yeah. for me. You know, and then the later on that year is when we set out on the bike trip. Oh my! Oh yeah! yeah. And he took his first steps on that bike. He took his first steps, pulling himself up on the bike wagon and like trying to walk at our camp. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. yeah! Wow! And some past life stuff. Past life stuff, indeed. And I love that you mentioned at the beginning that like the water birth you, and water really is that like connecting element that like it it touches everything and it like it just like expands into everywhere like I think it's really a community type of element and you were initiated into that yeah (laughs) thank goodness that was helpful I didn't have to think I didn't have to do anything basically Mm -hmm. and it's also reminding me of like that community support too allows women to really be in their bodies postpartum you know they don't have to like be like oh like such and such is happening this I have to like get this and this and this together it's like no like I'm here with my baby I'm supported by all of these people who love me and want to pour into me and nourish me and my child and my children (laughs) and that is allowing me to like be within me and be in this moment it's powerful it's so beautiful and I stayed a week I think I stayed a week postpartum at Penny and Nick's house because they had their niece was coming back to that was the guest room right yeah and it was um and I think that for the other children and that was an interesting thing like when we were talking about breastfeeding and weaning and all of these stages with the little ones um, my son Ayabo, who was two and a half, going to be turning three the November after, um, he 
he weaned himself that day. Wow. That his brother was born. Okay, wow. Yeah, like he nursed the entire pregnancy as well. Um, and yeah, and he, and, and I'm happy too because I was a little bit concerned like if I'm nursing and pregnant, is the energy going to the breast milk or is the energy going to the developing fetus, you know? But then Irie was actually my biggest baby. He was a good size for me. Like he was like this healthy little dude. Um, so that was cool. And and then his big brother all of a sudden became like a toddler boy, little boy. <laughs> yeah. And he just he opted out of the boob mm-hmm. like that day. And he because he saw that his that the the newborn was desperate for it. Like that was his whole world, right? <laughs> When they come out, they just live at the breast, you know, if all things go smoothly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, community and everyone just choosing, being able to choose their role in that and pour into one another and it just being this like whole embodied experience. I love that entire story. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much for for sharing. Yeah. Oh, my joy yeah yeah and on that note yeah let's like end it off here and is there anything is there anything like on your heart that you really want to leave all of the listeners with something in your your heart or your mind that you just want to like this is what I want to share yes yeah (laughs) yeah I I want to share to all of the listeners and the parents out there, the mothers, and anybody planning to go on that journey, you know, I think the strength of, or the beginning, conception, pregnancy, birth stories, no matter how difficult or glorious, or it's like, we learn from these experiences, it teaches us about ourselves, it teaches us about that child and it's almost like I go back to those pregnancies and those births as like a guidebook for how to raise them now because so much changes you know and I think we said this earlier it's like that control piece that they have their own destiny they have their own personality they have their own objective um, spiritually when they come just like we do from our parents I'm not living out my parents yeah like they're their own beings and as am I and my siblings are totally different from me and so to really lean into that I feel fortunate to have multiple kids and relinquish control a little bit more each time because if you think like it's how you shape them Mm. nurture nature did I do the sleep schedule on time did I if I give them this 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 like yeah set them up with the best that you can and then let go you know and I guess that's what I'm learning now that I'm at the stage of I've got teenagers down to the kindergartner and the teenagers are really teaching me about trust yeah and letting go of of expectations for their life Mm -hmm. you know yeah 
but I'm glad I got to hold them so close while I could, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think they'll return back to the womb and the mother. I hear in the 30s, everybody's like, I love my parents. <laughs> I'm not there yet. So well, I, like, I love my parents, but I'm not 30. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> I love my parents, but I'm not 30. So I, I can't. Yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. And that's so incredibly important. And yeah, that's what it is. You know, it's that letting go of control of what is like it is you want it to be and just letting it be as it is <laughs> and be yeah. as it is it's just supposed to be outside of you know, whatever we think in our brain is, is like, this is how it must be. <laughs> yeah. So especially with the crying newborn, you know, like in those areas and phases where it's like, is something wrong? No, not necessarily. You know, it's okay. It's messy. There's pain. Mm-hmm. There's crying. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. Know? And it's like, the conversation is like going on out, but like, I want to say this too. And as you mentioned before, like all of these are like highlighted as you're giving birth too. like, there's going to maybe be crying. It's going to be messy. Like, is that necessarily wrong? Is that necessary? Does that necessarily mean something is wrong? No, it doesn't necessarily mean that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the sterile, Mm -hmm. the sterile environment that we're trying so hard to hold on to. Mm -hmm. It all gets burst open. Exactly. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. The earth is not sterile. The earth is fertile. Fertile. (laughs) And fertility is, yeah. And fertility is messy. (laughs) Very. Lots of fluids, guys. <laughs> Lots of breeding grounds for things to be born. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a whole another topic of discussion. But thank you so, so much, Alicia. This has been like so much more than I even thought it would be. And it's just so like I love this. I love this whole episode so much. But yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we will see well I will see you soon and we will see you next time listeners on another episode peace thank you so much (laughs) for having me and hearing about my family we thank you oh my pleasure my absolute pleasure (laughs) all right everyone peace If you loved what you heard today, please let me know by giving the podcast some love in the reviews, liking, commenting, and sharing with someone you love as well. As always, too, you can connect with me on Instagram at Key of Life Birthkeeper and with any of my guests with their information and details located in the description. Until next time, Ashe.